0: Buttons and pulling triggers, this is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 171. Today I'm going to chat with Charlie Ingen from Five Finger Death Punch, discuss the veto of two pro-gun bills in Pennsylvania, highlight recent news on Zenith MP5 clones, and talk about a new translation app in development for cats. I'm your host, Ava Flanell, and can I just say I'm so glad that this show is pre-recorded because I screwed up on the intro twice, which, Charlie, I think it was your last name.
2: I think it was, too. Or maybe the ending little thing you had to say,
1: the Zenith one. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, half the time lately, I'm just winging the show. I don't even look at the show notes anymore. Thankfully, I have an editor who writes everything down, so I just go through it, but I probably should have practiced a little bit. Before we get started, I've had a really interesting morning. Today's Wednesday, as you guys know. I said earlier the show's pre-recorded, and Wednesday now is my new trash day, and that's because my friend he came up with a trash company, and of course you got to support the friends. So I switched companies, and now my trash day is on Wednesday. This morning I remembered, oh shit, it's Wednesday. I put on a huge coat and take my trash bins to the end of the driveway, which really isn't that long. It's sounding like it's a lot of effort, and it's not, but it was freezing. Then I finally checked my mail, which I guess I haven't checked my mail in a few days because it was packed. And I, long story short, get an empty package. And it's inside a plastic bag from United States Postal Service. And they said, contents missing. Sorry for the inconvenience, but we lost your contents. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And the package is from one of the Patreons, Ryan Morrison, who just started a holster company. So again, When your friends start a business, you have to support them. And I have a whole bin of holsters. Don't really need too many more holsters. But I was like, you know what? I need a holster for the IWI Masada pistol that I have. It was his holsters that I bought from him. And sure enough, I just get this empty envelope. I put in a report with the Postal Service, and they called me immediately. And the lady told me that they actually had to go through the bag because inside the package, each holster was wrapped in brown paper bags and it was labeled drugs. (laughs) And how they're able to see this, I have no idea because this is obviously inside the packaging, not on the outside. And so the lady's like, yep, I had to put on my gloves, take all precaution. We had to take it apart, make sure there was no drugs. And I'm like, okay, that's great. She's like, but the good news is we have it. If you want to come by and pick up your holsters. And I'm like, okay, great. Awesome. I contact Ryan. Hey, Ryan, lesson learned. Don't write the word drugs on your packages. (laughs) I'm sure I'm added to a list or something. Thanks, as if I'm not added to enough lists, right?
2: Oh, man, I wouldn't doubt if we're on a lot of lists.
1: I know. No kidding. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) But isn't that weird? There's no secrets when it comes to the government.
2: I know. You wonder what they actually have for like machinery and devices to look through packaging and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, because obviously... This is before they opened it. So they have something that has to go through some screening. Oh yeah. uh, that's totally weird. But then on the other hand, I know a ton of people that ship out weed from Colorado. Yeah, and yeah that, themselves and stuff. Yeah, and that doesn't get caught. So I'm just like, okay, whatever. That is
2: odd. I just ordered a ton of 9 millimeter a few different times through the mail lately. And that had me concerned. I'm like, I bet you this is going to disappear magically. <laughs> right?
1: No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about thousands of dollars being shipped to you right now.
2: (laughs) I know, it's scary on multiple fronts there, but yeah, it all made it, so at least there's that.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, before we get started, talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. If you guys want a good pistol that looks and feels similar to a carry gun but is more affordable to train with, you should check out the MMP22 Compact from Smith & Wesson. That MMP22 Compact has all the same ergonomics as a full-size MMP, and it's just a good affordable way to train because obviously 22 is less expensive, although I heard the other day that it was up to 30 cents around, which is pretty insane. It's more than what 9mm used to be but it's still obviously less expensive than paying 70 cents around. I highly recommend the M&P 22 Compact. I know 22's any rimfire gun is typically a lot more finicky, usually takes only certain types of ammo or certain grains. But I have shot the MP22 and it's not as finicky as most rimfire pistols out there, so I'd highly recommend it. MSRP is only 389. They're one of the most affordable and reliable suppressor-ready, 22 guns out there. And you can check that out as well as other products at smith-wesson.com. All right, now it's time to get into it.
0: Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: All right. So, Charlie, for those who don't recognize your name, you are the drummer for the band Five Finger Death Punch. And I got to admit, I actually don't really listen to a lot of your music. I guess I'm more R&B alternative or like country music.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. You know, it's in i uh, I wouldn't say an acquired taste, but you're either You're generally into like the aggressive stuff or not? Yeah. Or if it's a role in your life, like a lot of fans that I talk to, it's like, oh, and we work out. I always jam in your stuff or something like that.
1: Yeah, and which that makes sense. When I was younger, I used to be into it. I used to like bands very similar, and now that I'm older, my best friend she listens to music. She's a big fan of yours. Actually, was gonna message you and say, hey. Right now, I'm hanging out with my best friend, and she's a huge fan. She's like, don't tell him that. And I was like, okay, I won't. <laughs> and I'm sure you get that all the time anyways. But, but whenever we're together, she always wants to play that music. And I'm like, can you just shut it off? I feel like it's stressing me out. I want to listen to stuff that's more calming.
2: For sure, it can fill that role, for sure, if you want to get fired up.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I want to talk to you about how you even landed this role. Because you kind of have a a pretty interesting past. You have, what is it, a master's degree in music? Yep. Okay. Yeah,
2: Yeah. so I came from sort of a more the artsy-fartsy musician's music scene. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of more in the pro, you know, progressive rock, progressive metal type stuff. And my drumming style, if you were a fan of mine before joining Death Punch, you wouldn't necessarily correlate with joining a band like Five Finger, but I guess you would with the busy feet and, you know, the real kind of like aggressive nature to my playing. But yeah, I definitely came from more of like a fusion, yeah, like nerdy metal. I I guess even like bands like Rush and some of the older ones and then a lot of, yeah, Between the Buried and Me, Opeth, Dream Theater, that scene, I guess. And Mm -hmm. I played with a band called Scale the Summit. I still do for recording. And that's, you know, instrumental kind of like almost, I don't know what you'd call it, like, Movie soundtrack sort of vibe to some of the songs, but yeah, essentially I I did the whole. Been playing drums since I was two, so I grew up playing, and my family was you know has musicians in it, and my uncles bought me a drum set, so I started young, played through high school, and, and was heavily into it, and then ended up doing the masters thing in my twenties, and then long story short, I'm just kind of skipping through the boring details, but played a lot, and then kind of gained a name on the internet. So when Instagram was still kind of in its, not its infancy, but it was like the 15 second video days, mm-hmm. developed a large fan base on Instagram, which led me to kind of the more, yeah, like people knew who I was more in the mainstream. I say that with air quotes, <laughs> but mm-hmm. in the drumming world, I started to make a name for myself and then ended up getting death punch because I was in scale to summit and I had a lot of friends in the industry and in the more of the arena rock scene. And I was friends with Jeremy, the original drummer. So him and I had talked for probably a year and a half. And then to make that story simple, uh, he essentially was like, I'm leaving. You want to take over for me? And I was like, yep, yeah, let's do it. So that was in 2018. So yeah, basically the fall 18 is when I joined up.
1: Wow. That's pretty incredible. And why did the previous drummer leave? If you don't mind me asking.
2: Yeah, he was having some back issues. So they were kind of in the middle of a two chunk run with Breaking Ben and who else was Bad Wolves. And man, I'm forgetting the other band, sorry, <laughs> but whatever. They did like a summer run and then there was a month break and then they were doing a fall run. So I started to become part of that summer run. So I went down and jammed with the band on stage during a sound check and then spent like a week with them on just learning the ins and outs of the crew and meet all of that, making sure we gelled and then went home and started learning tunes and got ready for the fall run. And yeah, so it, initially his back was just bugging him. He had to get a minor surgery on it and stuff and he just wasn't going to be able to do the fall run. So I took over for that and then I just stayed, stayed in the role.
1: Wow. That's pretty crazy. And what went through your mind when you were offered this position?
2: It was definitely like a euphoric sort of vibe of like finally, you know, like because I've always been a big 80s and like late 80s, early 90s hair metal. My parents were super into that scene. So I'd go to all the shows like Skid Row, uh, Warrant, Winger, Slaughter, like all those types of bands. So I've always like loved the big production and the big arena vibe. And I always wanted to make it. To that level, it's just tougher in these days and less of those types of bands. Mm -hmm. So I never knew I'd join Death Punch, but I always figured I'd get a role like that to some extent. So I was just ecstatic on multiple levels for that part of it. And then also just the way everything kind of rolled out and the way I filled that role was super easy, all things considered. Because I had never done arena tours before on a freight train that was moving a thousand miles an hour. They had been going for so long at that point and already established such a massive name that playing sold-out arenas carries some pressure as far as like you don't want to be the guy that screws it up, let alone the drummer, because it's really noticeable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was, yeah, I mean, it was exciting. If I was going to dumb it down to a few words, it was super exciting.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine because being a career musician is something that so many people want to do and very few people have that opportunity. And yeah. same thing, like when I lived in New York City, everyone's like, yeah, I'm trying to be an actor, and actress. And OK, so you're a waitress. That's essentially <laughs> yeah, what it means totally. is everyone's trying to break into that. And it's one of those things where it's extremely competitive. And for you to do that is just incredible. Did the fans adapt you pretty well or were they oh, who's the new guy? We liked the other drummer better.
2: Yeah, I thought that would be the trickiest part. But honestly, they've been so great. We have such a diehard fan base. And yeah, I didn't know which way it would go. But honestly, I'd say 99% of the reaction was great off the bat. And luckily, it's, it sounds weird without like digging it apart. But like Death Punch gets a bad rap, kind of like Nickelback on, on a lot of the like musician dorky yeah. tabloid sites. Yeah. Which is funny to me because I get it to some extent. But I also, every band has that. Even like Slipknot. I mean, we could go down the list of all the arena rock bands at Corn. All of them get shit from some angle. But yeah, it was funny because I come from such the like techie, artsy sort of like I'm, you know, known as a crazy drummer in the drum world that would never, I don't know. I got a lot more like questions like, really? He joined Death Punch? You know, it was a lot more of that. But the fans themselves were just amazing right out of the gate, which made it super easy. The band was so like great to me as far as like, obviously they knew what to watch for or help me with or, or this or that or like save me from myself sort of situations. So they were great with that. And the transition couldn't have gone any better in my eyes. Yeah, really, there was no, even as I try and think about it now, there was no times where I was like, holy, what did I get myself into as far as the fans or the band or any of that goes?
1: Yeah, that's definitely nice. I'm sure right now listeners are like, cool, we like this guy, but why did you bring (laughs) him on? Because it's a gun podcast. Yeah, yeah. But you are into guns. In fact, how I met you, well, I haven't met you in person, but you actually started following me on Instagram. Then I was like, who's this guy with the little blue check? (laughs) Because anytime that comes up, you're like, oh, okay. because obviously the blue check kind of means that you're established. And so then I checked and I was just like, oh shit, he's the drummer. And then, you know, started talking. Yeah. But you are into guns and you said you were raised around guns, right?
2: Yeah. So I grew up in Minnesota. I still live here. So I grew up hunting and fishing. My dad's side of the family is all up north. And so I kind of grew up in the city, but then I grew up on that side of the state as well. And if you don't know Minnesota, it's quite the difference from area to area as far as people and just what people do and all of that. And so, yeah, up north, it's hunting and fishing. That's pretty much what everybody does up there. And so, yeah, I grew up around guns. I grew up around the woods in general. And in high school, you know, I, I really got into archery. So it started, although I was obviously shooting a lot of guns and stuff, I, archery was my addiction in high school besides drumming and skateboarding and stuff. But that's really where it kicked off. Then I worked at a gun club pulling sporting clays and, and trap and skeet at Horse and Hunt Club in Minnesota, which is a huge, it's a well-known place for sporting clays. So yeah, I worked there for like four years and, and just shot a lot and got into the craft of sporting clays. And that kind of then led more into being a, uh, you know, whatever you are, like a gun connoisseur and getting into that. And honestly, recently is I didn't get into pistols and more like any form of uh, until, I don't know, I'd say 10 years ago, something like that. So Mm -hmm. now that's been kind of my new passion with guns besides the obvious like hunting stuff. So yeah, grew up around it and enjoy it more now than ever.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's kind of weird to me because I didn't realize that you came from more of a musical artsy background. Yeah, and typically the music arts and guns don't typically have that correlation. It's usually true. Not to stereotype, but art music is more kind of liberal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of cool that you were kind of raised around both.
2: Yeah, and I I would say the music side of it, like I agree with exactly what you said. Although my family was like the musical stuff, it, it really wasn't too artsy, artsy. I was more of that way, but they were more of the like straight ahead rocker types, but mm-hmm. definitely not overboard. So it wasn't like this, like, kind of like the classified hillbilly, like, all right, let's go shoot guns and listen to heavy metal type stuff. It yeah. wasn't that, it wasn't that at all. But for me, that's where I kind of fell into was definitely more, you know, I like super heavy music. I definitely like shooting guns, but I'm more into the craft of them and, and the the sport of it as well than just like seeing where I can go shoot a gun, even though that's fun too. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. They were like, okay, let's play some classical music while we... Yeah, I, de- <laughs> I definitely didn't
2: have any of that growing <laughs> up. No. I was My parents were young and we like to go, they like to go to rock shows.
1: <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. Do you yeah. remember the first concert that you went to?
2: I don't remember exactly the first, but I went to so many of them. I have a lot of memories. I remember meeting Mark Slaughter and stuff like we would do like backstage meet and greet stuff. And I have pictures still that are pretty funny. I've actually been meaning to share online. I'll have to do that soon. But uh, yeah, I remember a lot of them and they'd put me on their shoulders and I'd play air drums because I was playing drums mm-hmm. at that time. And so yeah, I have a lot of memories from the shows, which is fun.
1: That's funny. My first concert was Steve Miller Band. And then oh, yeah. after that Aerosmith, my mom had the biggest crush on Steven Tyler. Awesome. And I kind of had a crush on Joe Perry. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and my mom used to say, Steven Tyler, he's not that cute in person, just if you looked at him. But when he performed, she's like, oh my God, he's so hot. <laughs> Granted, my mom was happily married the entire time, but she would joke, I'm going to put up a poster of Steven Tyler in my bedroom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the, the rock star persona and, and character overrides looks a lot of times. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah, I agree. I always enjoyed watching people play and. It definitely, in my opinion, makes people more attractive. And if you were just going grocery shopping and you pass that person, you wouldn't give them a double look. But then when you see them play, you're like, they're so hot. And I think a lot of women could probably agree. Or even men, I'm sure they see like Britney Spears perform or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think when you see anybody like naturally have that come out of them. You know, that's why when it's forced and it's so phony, you kind of feel that and it's kind of like cringy and cheesy. Mm -hmm. But when it naturally comes out of people, there's something about the vulnerability mixed with the like attitude and energy exertion that creates this sort of like larger than life thing that you just can't help but be attracted to.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical. You actually just got a brace from SB Tactical, correct?
2: Yeah, I got the folding stock for my Scorpion.
1: Yeah, because that was one of the things we talked about. You were like, hey, what do you recommend for a pistol caliber carbine? And I recommended a few things. And especially now, with everything going on and just guns being extremely hard to even find and stock, you ended up, what was the store that you went to?
2: Shields in Eden Prairie, Minnesota is like our biggest kind of consistent Gun, and uh, really all of Outdoors store. And they actually get a decent amount of stock in and out. Obviously, everything sells out right away. But yeah, I came across a Scorpion EVO 3 S1 there, and I grabbed it right away.
1: Nice. (laughs) And have you had a chance to put the SB Tactical Brace on it?
2: It is. It's on it right now, sitting next to me.
1: And how do you like it so far?
2: Oh, I love it. It's super crisp, and like there's no absolutely no lag in it at all, which was always a big thing for me with this kind of this style of a setup. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier with it. It feels great.
1: Yeah, it definitely looks great on the Scorpion. I mean, it looks great on so many of the guns, but yeah, anybody who has a pistol caliber carbine, I always recommend SB Tactical Braces. It just, in my opinion, they have designed braces the best out of any company out there. And there's actually really nothing on their website that I don't like that I wouldn't personally own. If you guys want to check out their braces, head on over to sb-tactical.com. If you use the code gunfunny15, you will get 15% off. Charlie, I want to know about your first hunting experience. Do you remember that or or do yeah, you have I, a I hunting do. experience that you can share with us?
2: Yeah, most of my memories of the early days come from my dad hunting and me just riding around on the four-wheeler with them and shooting grouse. So, yeah. a lot of it was bird hunting for me out of the gate just because obviously with deer hunting, you know, it's more solo individual we always hunt with tree stands up here so it's more of a yeah it's just no kids are coming with but yeah a lot of memories of shooting grouse off the four-wheeler trails and my yeah my first hunting experience was exactly that I, I was probably 10 or something like that and maybe 11 and yep shot some grouse which was awesome and then I became heavily into grouse hunting after that because it's my style of hunting I love to like stalk and you know, kind of walk down trails and then jump birds and go stalk them, sort Mm -hmm. of an effect. Hmm. So yeah, it was grouse. And then pheasants took over in high school because I lived in the south side of the cities uh, in Minnesota, which is pretty good pheasant country. And then I worked at the game farm, the sporting place, which had, you know, a lot of pheasants running around too. And I'd actually shoot them with my bow. We'd kind of ditch hunt around the roads and uh, yeah, we'd spot birds and walk and I'd stalk them and shoot them with my bow, which was a good time. But yeah, it was primarily birds for me growing up and in high school.
1: Hmm. Have you done any other hunting, like any big game?
2: Yeah, just deer, you know, white tails, which I used to sit with my bow once in a while. But I was always trying to shoot a big buck and I'd let everything else pass. So I never, I've never never shot a deer, actually, with my bow or anything, which is pretty funny. And then this year, I was finally, I've been gone, you know, I'm gone pretty much every fall. So I've, I've missed every year of deer hunting because of touring. Mm-hmm. But this year, I was actually able to do that, obviously, with the time off. But of course, my dad had something happen to him, which was unfortunate. So he ended up in the hospital. So I had to cancel my deer hunting plans this year. You know, I finally get a year to do it with him, And then uh, that happened. So that was lovely timing. Yeah. But oh, well, we'll get it next year.
1: I know. Well, of course, this, you know, just aligns with everything else with 2020. You're mm-hmm. like, OK, there's a little bit of silver lining, a little bit of something to be thankful for. And then it, oh, yeah. 2020 gets where nah, it we're not going to make that happen.
2: I know. And I had, I was lucky enough to, you know, I've I've been off since February, which was a little longer than I wanted, but it was nice to be home for once and get, you know, get some stuff done at home. And I did a lot of fishing, which was fun. And then getting into the hunting season, I did get to take a trip out to North Dakota, pheasant hunting in Mott with, uh, my family goes out there every year and we had a great time and there's you know, tons of birds this year, which was really fun.
1: Yeah. Do you guys eat the birds?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. We're all of my you know main immediate family and friends, I have a lot of friends who hunt and fish. We're big time, like you know, farm to table types and try to eliminate factory farming out of our life as much as we can, yeah, which is difficult, but you can do your part as much as possible, and so we try to do that as much as we can.
1: nice, you know, I've never gone hunting, and I think that, man, who was I talking to the other day where I was telling them that end of the world comes and there's no grocery stores. I'm just going to become a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
2: it you know, if you've never killed anything before, I I suppose it the older you get, almost the more hard it becomes in terms of just you feel for everything so yeah. much more, but there's also like a sort of connection that happens when you do that I think is pretty primal and and euphoric and it's just a different sort of feeling than maybe you know, you see like kind of the bad side of that where people are like, "Yeah, just shoot and kill stuff, you know, like it's almost fun. But I think that most normal humans, it's different than that. It's mm-hmm. like an experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is, well, one, I wouldn't want it to suffer. So I'd want it to kill it as quick as possible. Yeah. But as far as taking out its feathers or yeah, getting it, I could barely cook chicken. The only thing I could really <laughs> cook without getting totally grossed out and being able to eat it right after is ground beef. Well, even chicken, I'm that type, and I think I've said this before, I will cut more off the chicken than I actually cook because I'm like, oh, this piece looks weird. Oh, there's a little white piece. Oh, there's this little red veiny thing. Oh, we're going to cut that off. (laughs) And then it's like so hard for me to eat it after because I just keep thinking about what it looked like when it was raw. and Yeah, I
2: I hear you. But I I think it's time for you to get a new experience in life and go (laughs) kill something and eat it yourself.
1: Maybe. Maybe, maybe that I should. I think
2: it sounds like it.
1: I should maybe do that and just record a YouTube video of it and post it.
2: Yeah, make a little story out of it, you know, like your your adventure and your hunting trip and all of that. It'd be good for you and people watching.
1: Yeah, what do you think I should start with?
2: Uh birds probably, unless you have friends because you're in Colorado, so you you have options. But you know, shotguns and birds, you can't really go wrong because it's still kind of fun and enjoyable and. You won't feel as bad or, you know, whatever you want to call it. You won't have as many emotions killing a bird as you would say a, an elk for your first time, I would think.
1: Well, not to mention, you have to basically, what is the word where you cut it open and get the meat and stuff? Like you have to do that within a short time period before it well, rots.
2: You, yeah, you would field dress it is like when you're out in the woods and you have to do the initial field dressing where you gut it essentially. And then, yeah, you know, elk is a whole different beast, but you would only be doing that if you had a. A guide essentially your first time out yeah. but but yeah with the birds too you know it's it's easy and it's once you get used to it it's nothing but yeah start with birds i think you'd have fun doing it
1: and then if you're using bird birdshot are there bbs that get stuck in the meat do you ever find a bb yeah. when you're eating you do
2: yeah you try and pick them out while you're cleaning the birds and, and everything but yeah okay. you'll find bbs
1: okay well that's fun That's fun. That's great. I'm sure my dentist will love that.
2: It keeps you on your toes while you're eating it, (laughs) right?
1: No kidding. It makes sure that you chew really well before swallowing.
2: (laughs) No, yeah, you you see the BBs real easy when you're cleaning it.
1: Okay, that's good to know. I gotta talk about the obvious here, you know, with COVID and how much it's affected your life. And it's crazy because I can't think of anyone that it really hasn't had an effect on. People could be like, "Oh, I was antisocial to begin with," but I mean, there's still things or. Your business. And people probably also think of, oh, you know, career musicians, they probably make a ton of money and they can afford not to work for a year. But people don't realize that everyone's bills are all relative, I guess. And for people to think that even multimillionaires or famous people or whatever, for them to not be affected and not be able to pay their bills. Right. Everyone's affected. A lot yeah. of these people haven't gone on tour for almost a year now. And that's obviously, that's going to,
2: yeah, that's it's not been good. And certain bands have it easier than others, obviously. But yeah, I like how you put it. It's all really relative. And I know a lot of guys in huge bands that are in some, I wouldn't say serious trouble, but you develop a lifestyle based on how much money you make. And these are not like over wealthy style musicians I'm talking about. This is like, you know, guys who make good money when they're on the road, but when mm-hmm. they're at home, they don't make any money. Yeah. So, Yeah, this is a long period of time for people to go through, and it's scary mainly because you still don't know when they'll allow the arenas to happen, or even big clubs for that matter, where you're over a thousand people or something, Mm -hmm. and so even if things start to get sorted out in society, it doesn't necessarily mean that the stadiums are going to open back up, because these tours got to get planned so far in advance, and there's so many parts to the equation that go into it, and it's so much money to put a tour on the road most bands don't profit on their tour until like the last week of a five, six week tour. So all those first weeks are recouping your losses. And so if you were to get out on the road on a massive tour and then, Oh, COVID strikes again or something weird happens and you're three weeks in, you've basically just spent a ton of money to tour for three weeks and then go home, you know, <laughs> so wow. there's a, there's a lot to it that obviously people wouldn't understand it, nor is it they shouldn't understand it or that it wouldn't be an obligation to understand it. But, it's also something to keep it in mind, too, with these shutdowns. And, and that, that's a whole deep wormhole, obviously, to dig into in itself. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say that there's some nervousness out there. And I would say that there's going to be a lot of bands that disappear from it in terms of you might not see them in the same capacity you did before.
1: Yeah, that's definitely pretty sad.
2: Yeah, it is. I feel bad, especially because there's so many good bands that were on that middle plateau. A lot of the bands I listen to, for that matter. Our bands that are like big in the music world, but they're not yeah. selling tons of the records and selling out arenas or anything. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see the aftermath because it's probably still not fallen fully. You know.
1: Yeah, I know. It's funny. You can't help but think back to when basically everything shut down. They're like, oh, it's just to flatten the curve a little bit. It's just going to be a few weeks, and yeah. here we are, almost a year later, and it's just like, come on. I get it. Do I think COVID exists? Yes. Do I know people that have gotten it? Yeah. Most people that I know that have gotten it, they're sick for a week. They get over it. It has a huge recovery rate. And I think that people that are higher risk, like they should stay home. But I definitely think that the economy should continue to function. And I get that they don't want to overwhelm hospitals, but it kind of seems like a lot of this is just sort of like an average cold where most people aren't going to the hospital.
2: It feels very, very like a controlled operation to like get conspiratory on it without delving mm-hmm. too deep into it is like, there's no way that it's just what it is, that, that it just can't be because why you would risk, I mean, essentially ruining a country over this, which it absolutely would have the power to do absolutely. as, as we know it at the very least, you know, like the top and bottom are flipping harder and, or, you know, more and more. And it's just an odd sort of approach out of the gate to me I it felt weird and I had just gotten back from Europe and it was kind of it was like a week behind us over there so when we were in Italy we were in Milan and like three days later is when it started to hit there and it was like on the news and stuff like that and we were worried about getting home honestly and we got home February 23rd and then we had a spring tour lined up that got canceled obviously in March I think it was is when that uh, the word um you know we waited till the very end and then yeah, it just seems like if it was so bad and it was so devastating, they would have taken different precautions. Because to me, it's odd that you can keep giant corporations open where
1: mm-hmm. thousands
2: and thousands of people are walking in and out of those stores every day. Exactly. But then Stacy's coffee shop that has like 30 people in it throughout the day, she can't open. And I don't know. I feel like if you really want to change a world economy, this is a way to do it. So yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but it just feels like there's some that whole great reset thing just has a little too much weight behind it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree.
2: Then you see it in the gun industry, too. And and just the whole political side of everything is just taken a very, strange. I wouldn't even say strange. It's expected in a sense, like I think anybody who's paid attention to Second Amendment laws, or just honestly, even as general as like left versus right, this seems like a really, it's a great way to divide people even more. I oh, guess yeah. is a good way to put it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've never seen the country this divided before. There's just a lot of hatred going on right now, and it's really unfortunate.
2: It is. It feels like a thing now, too. It's like the days of our lives, but we just brought it to real life or something. Like People people latch onto it, and they look forward to the drama, and they look forward to the division, and it kind of gets them off in a way that's Mm -hmm. frightening to me. And People have always been like that, and it's been like this since kind of the 9-11 era. It seems like media took over a little bit more. I'm 35, so I was late high school when that was going down, and it just seems like the bigger the media got and social media at that, it seems like now it's just kind of taking over everything as far as opinions go.
1: Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about your guys' recent music video that you put out that kind of got quite a bit of controversy. Which music video was that again?
2: Yeah, for living the dream. Yeah, that's I I forgot about that. That's a good thing to bring up is, yeah, it did. It's not surprising to us. So Zoltan, the original guy in Death Punch, he started Death Punch a long time ago. He's from Romania, I was going to say. He's from Hungary, and uh, he grew up in communist country. Mm -hmm. And he came here, started a life for himself, all of that. He he has the classic immigrant story of success, we'll call it. And uh, he's very... I guess, sensitive to these topics. And it's funny that I ended up in Death Punch being, I'm like 10 years younger than those guys, essentially. And we have, especially me and Zoltan, I would say almost exact same viewpoints of kind of the world and the the twistedness and the whatever, the culture things and on and on. And with Living the Dream, he took control of that video. And it's essentially like a story of, I guess I'm going to speak for him, like what the country could be come if things went the wrong way Mm -hmm. and although it kind of shows our side of how we view things it also is like more of a depiction of of things it's not necessarily saying i think this and these guys are the bad guys and these are the good guys but i feel like it straight up just shows what could happen you know but he Mm -hmm. he definitely took a story turn with it and uh yeah the the controversy kind of came from the metal tabloid sites there's a mask scene where a nancy pelosi type figure is like wearing an exempt pin and she's putting masks on citizens of the new us of the futuristic us and and uh i think it, i think in the video it's republic of usa and and uh yeah change the flag and stuff and anyways there's like a line of people that are like getting the masks put on them by the nancy pelosi figure who's not wearing a mask and they're compliant they have a pin on the on the on their chest that says like compliant and People took that as we were calling everybody in America. The one metal tabloid site said, Five Finger Death Punch calls mask-wearing citizens communists in New <laughs> Video or something. <laughs> they spun it, you know, all, yeah. all lame. And really what it was about was that the you know the rules are for thee and not for me type attitude that, mm-hmm. that all these people and all these politicians have generally. And that's all it was. But yeah, that one spun out of control for a couple of days. It was pretty pretty funny reading the comments and you know it's up for interpretation in terms of like there's no words in the thing so you're watching a video you know essentially with with no dialogue and the imagery and stuff is pretty i wouldn't call it biased by any means but you can tell which side of the fence we stand on that's for Mm -hmm. sure but yeah that uh, i'm getting i'm getting sidetracked as i as i tell that story but yeah it was it turned out really well i was actually i loved it we're only in the video for just a little bit and we kind of lead the uh lead the army of everyday citizens, so to speak, kind of trying to get, get the U.S. back in this totalitarian state that the futuristic U.S. is in at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I really liked the music video, and it does have a lot of room for interpretation and how people want to perceive it. But yeah. I thought that you guys did an excellent job on that, and I actually really liked the song, too. I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. maybe I should. I really haven't listened to a lot of Five Finger Death Punch songs, so sure. I'm going to.
2: Yeah. Take the journey. There's, you know, there's, it's one of those bands where uh, half of it you'll probably like, and then half of it you won't if you're, you know, I know you're not super into the, you know, the heavy, aggressive screaming type stuff. So it's kind of a mixture of that. And then songs like Living the Dream.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that Five Finger Death Punch could create a new intro for my podcast?
2: I mean, to convince those guys <laughs> to do anything like that would probably be very difficult. <laughs> oh,
1: give me their number. I'm going to give them a call. No. <laughs> but
2: but yeah, I was about to say, but Zoltan would love the fact he's a huge gun guy. He lives in Las Vegas and he's got so many friends in the industry and he knows so many people you probably know and whatnot. And yeah, you that's not that uh, much of a reach. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I actually I put in my Patreon group that you were going to be on and one of the Patreons, he, blown deadline he does a bunch of coat work and stuff but he had pictures with you guys
2: oh yeah cool yeah Yeah. it's a you know it's funny because we're so pro-military and so pro just really not just military but just freedom and we're very supportive of of all like first responders and police and all of that so by default i feel like our fans are generally more you know if i'm going to generalize they're more on the right and Mm -hmm. they're more even if they're not politically conservative like all into politics they definitely probably have hobbies and stuff that are more aligned with with that side of things and pro-gun and pro all of that so yeah our fans generally speaking are all kind of in that same group you know mm-hmm. so it, it it's actually really nice because if you tote too many lines especially in the music industry and you're just wishy-washy and you're sort of catering and pandering to every side it's just really a bad look in general because now you just kind of don't stand for anything, you know?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I was actually going to ask you how it was being a band that's more pro-gun, especially nowadays. I got to admit, like, I'll go to places and a lot of people are like, oh, what do you do? And sometimes I'm even hesitant to even say because, ugh, do I even want to? Because no. guns have become so politicalized and then they automatically just hate you and you didn't even have a chance to tell them what exactly you do or stand for you just say the word guns and they automatically just shun you
2: yeah totally the keywords is a big thing these days and the clickbait headlines and the one sentence you can come up with so mm-hmm. i hear you and it's the more we get into this cancel culture outrage culture type stuff the more you realize or i realize i should say i'm pretty quiet about it on social media and stuff not because i don't take a stance on the things i believe and and think about whether that be you know second amendment rights or any of it but that being said now i'm starting to feel this this urge to speak up more about it mainly because it's just so bizarre to me that you can get labeled so quickly by saying you're you're pro gun or pro second amendment yeah it's annoying for me to kind of answer your question directly better it's frustrating cuz like i'll post a picture of a gun on my story and i'll get so many especially when i first started doing it more i'd get so many i guess hate comments or hate whatever direct messages. And everybody was from a different country. Every single one of them was like from a country where, you know, they don't even, they're not allowed guns. And so it's like to see that style of brainwashing, like take hold over, you know, however many generations it might be. It's kind of like a sad reality that I don't think is going to get any better really. It feels like it's only going to get harder and worse. And so I, I've felt the need to like speak up about it more solely based on the fact of like people need to accept that most of the country still stands for freedom of choice and and what you want to do with your, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to me that the media can let things spin so out of control and use it as such a divisive method. And then the hate that rolls along with it is just,
1: it's wild. Yeah, I completely agree. I couldn't agree more actually. All right. Do you have any future plans? I know that's kind of hard to answer with everything going on. (laughs) Yeah,
2: we do a little bit. If we do any like live, we haven't done anything like live stream or anything because we feel like we want, if we're going to do something like that, we want it to be like next level. Yeah. And, you know, our show is so much a part of who the band is. Like our shows, even if you don't like the music, our show is incredible. And so we would like to, if we do anything like that, do it the right way. And we've talked about it a little bit. I don't know if we'll throw anything into motion. I suppose it just really depends on how long this takes. But as of now, It looks like next fall is what we're aiming at next, you know, hopefully next summer, next fall to get it back out on the road. We just released a new album this year in February, so we don't really want to bury that and just do another album because we really like the album that came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to do another one, just because we have the downtime would kind of just bury that one. So I don't think we're going to do that. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens here and hopefully get back out on the road next fall.
1: Yeah, no kidding. And then people who want to follow you on social media and Five Finger Death Punch, where can they go?
2: Yeah, just all the usual spots. Everything is either Five Finger Death Punch or mine is Charlie Ingen. And Instagram's really my main one. So the other ones are just when I feel like resharing it on those, I'll get around to it type of thing. But yeah, we're everywhere on all the social media sites and apps.
1: Okay, cool. And Ingen is Ingen. This is what messed yeah. me up. is E-N-G-E-N. Yep.
2: Yep, E-N-G-E-N.
1: <laughs> now that I know. one gets everybody. Yeah, well, now I know why people sometimes when they see my last name and I'm like, it's Flannel. And they're like, Flannel? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not spelt Flannel. Funny. And then it's kind of funny. All right, moving forward. IWI. If you're a fan of the single double-action hammered pistols, you need to check out the Jericho Enhanced from IWI. The modernized version of the popular Jericho 941 shares the same proven CZ-75 base design with a new and improved frame that has straighter modular grip without finger grooves. It also comes with adjustable back straps, a picatinny rail, and new hammer and trigger profile and thumb safety. You could check that out as well as a lot of other cool stuff. Also. Check out their accessories. Right now, they have a bunch of shirts that were under $15. They have patches, magazines. So if you need any accessories, if you go to IWI.us and use the code GUNFUNNY15, that gets you 15% off all accessories. Otherwise, head on over to their website and definitely check out that Jericho Enhanced from, like I said, IWI.
0: Politics. What is going on in the world Today.
1: Pennsylvania governor vetoes two pro gun bills that would protect Pennsylvanians from his emergency powers. Last Wednesday, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf vetoed two bills from the state legislator. House Bill 2240 would have repealed the state's ban on open carrying of firearms during governor declared states of emergency, such as the declared emergency for COVID. And House Bill 1747 would have prevented the governor from closing gun shops and ranges during emergencies, while also preventing the suspension of firearms and ammo sales. Multiple states have already had these similar tyrannical policies reversed by state courts during the last several months. Basically, to sum this up, so state legislators said, no, you can't do that. And then the governor was like, "Uh, yeah, I can. You're not going to strip my powers. And he vetoed it. You would think, okay, well, where does that leave citizens right now? Unfortunately, because he vetoed it, gun stores have to be closed. They can't open carry. And I'm sure that this is going to be fought because obviously it's unconstitutional. But however, for the time being, citizens can't open carry or purchase guns or ammo or anything like that, or the stores can't remain open, which is just ridiculous. We've seen this in quite a few other states. Governor Cuomo, Murphy, Newsom, they've all implemented very similar things. And I don't know, in my opinion, it's just like the governor kind of overreaching and overstepping boundaries. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it's typical right now. You can see in a lot of these Democratic-run states, especially like the one I live in too, it's a miracle we've not gotten stepped on it as far as gun stuff goes. But Pennsylvania, I don't know why they took such a strong turn in this They were also doing, I saw like a week or so ago, they, they weren't, so anybody who had their permit to carry like their paperwork in, they basically stopped all of that. So it was just put on hold. So if you were waiting on your permit, you're not going to get it for a while type of thing. And this stuff always scares me because I try to always not go super conspiracy side of it, but I can't help it. Mm -hmm. And that is, if you just start chipping away at the stone, eventually the whole thing's gone type of an effect. And I don't know, it just feels like a lot of these states that are doing this, It's this will lead to a, eventual big things, you know what I mean, that mm-hmm. are permanent, permanently divisive. And uh, it's, it's a frightening, frightening time for that.
1: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Just the amount of constitutional rights that have been stomped on during the last year in the name of saving lives, right. give me a break. It does kind of feel like we're living in another country. This does not feel like America. And even when they closed everything down here, the sheriff's office, I was still teaching classes because I was like, screw that. Especially with all these people becoming new gun owners and they had no idea how to operate their gun. I was even teaching online classes, a few in-person classes. I really didn't give a shit. But the sheriff's office was closed, so you couldn't apply for your concealed carry permit. And now I think they're operating at a much smaller percentage. But yeah. They haven't closed yet, but I'm sure it's just a matter of time before they close again. But even right now with everything being backed up, you're looking at about two, two and a half months before you could even get your appointment with the sheriff's office. And then you're looking at a little over three months before it arrives in the mail. Yeah, mine
2: was exactly, I had to do a renewal in June. So this is even before things went super crazy. And to get my sheriff appointment, it was a two and a half month wait.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy, especially even this is before any of this. Yeah, it was
2: literally, this was before the riots started here, which it, you know, that it kicked off here because of the Floyd stuff. And uh, I made my appointment like a week before the Floyd stuff was happening. And so even then it was bad and I could only imagine what it is now.
1: Yeah, I know. It's definitely pretty crazy. I know here in Colorado, and I'm not saying that you guys should break the law, but I'm just stating the obvious. Here, if you get caught concealed carrying and you don't have a permit, it's a misdemeanor. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. That's Obviously, wild. it varies among states, so definitely check that out. But it's one of those things where even here in Colorado, anything that's privately owned, like a business such as like a restaurant, a shopping center, even if there's a sign that says no guns allowed, you can still conceal carry in those places. Only if they happen to find out can they then ask you to leave. And if you don't leave, then they can charge you for trespassing. But up until that point, you're not breaking any laws and you're not doing anything wrong. So if they do find out and they ask you to leave, absolutely leave. But there's a lot of times where I carry as much as I possibly can. And it's one of those things where I recognize the repercussions. And I will gladly take that if it means saving my life. Because nowadays, the world's just so freaking crazy. It's
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: There's really no safe place like you could be going to church and some whack job opens fire so
2: yeah i know it's interesting and that, and like bringing it back to that pennsylvania stuff it, it's funny that all these laws and oh i read a comment on the on one of the articles about that cuz i was reading up on it and it was this it's a lady who's in mom's demand action of course and her name is something wolf but uh she just the comment alone that she said it makes me cringe that people could actually th- not just think this way, but say it with such a confidence as if it's reality. Uh, mm-hmm. And she said, "Like loosening gun laws will only threaten public safety and worsen Pennsylvania's gun violence crisis because their violence has spiked massively this year. Mm-hmm. We're thankful for this veto and we'll rest easier knowing we have a governor who will protect our communities. And it's like the insanity behind such a – that comment to me is just so cliche and, and cringeworthy. Yeah. And they're acting like it's the people who are legally going and buying these guns, which is obviously a, a topic that's been beat to death in the gun community. But the criminal people, uh, like the people committing most of these shootings, they're not legally getting these guns anyways, mm-hmm. you know, It's like how often, like how can you not see that and put that into your mind when you try to like filter through all these laws and all these situations and realize that all these shootings are not from a legal gun owner?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Was it Shannon Watts that said that?
2: It was something wolf. Yeah, it was something wolf, I think. Oh, no, no. It's somebody different. It's Mary Beth Christensen. Huh. Gosh, yeah, that whole. She's a volunteer. She's a volunteer at the Moms Demand Action, so I'm sure she's fun to hang out with. Yeah, no kidding.
1: I'm um, surprised her name's not Karen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's just, it's such a strange time when it, when we're talking about laws and It's been brought up in this conversation already. The politicizing of all of this is really where things go horribly wrong. Mm -hmm.
1: I know, I agree. And You brought up a good point. It's really scary to read people's comments, even their comments under articles on social media. And it's terrifying that they think like this. And I keep thinking, I don't really think I want kids, but right now I'm 34 years old. I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened. Or if it does, I only have a few more years. But this whole thing makes me not want to have kids because I'm so scared of the direction that the world is heading and the way that people think. It's terrifying. Yeah. I don't want to bring yeah. a kid into this world.
2: No, I, I mean, I understand the thought process because it's terrifying for sure. Because at this point, it almost feels like the writing's on the wall a little bit. It's more or less when all of it breaks down and, and it, the, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, how long does it take to get to that totalitarian style like 1984 sort of world yeah. because now it just feels like not if but when yeah. and so it's a fear that should be in everybody's mind because it's happening before our eyes and I don't really know if there's enough people trying to stop it or even if there is enough people if they have the ability to because of the political stuff behind it and all the money and just there, there's so much that goes into that sort of thing but yeah there's so many brainwashed people and you know, they, they want to be told what to do because if they're not told what to do, they live in a fear that's, you know, they, they can't control anything. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it becomes a snowball effect as well. And so, you know, they can live freely inside their birdcage. I sort of, it's like that. It's like yeah. the animal at the zoo. Like, yeah, he's safe, but is that really even living?
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Completely uh, agree. Whatever.
2: All
1: right, Manicore Arms. This is the company, actually, I told you that you should check out because they make a lot of cool upgrades for the Scorpion and Tavor and a lot of cool stuff. But in addition to all of that, and they also have patches, T-shirts, but I also noticed the other night that they have their exclusive reduced signature chest rigs. And the one that I was looking at is called the Risker. So the Risker gives you the ability to carry three AR mags or four sub-gun mags in a more comfortable and lower profile than the typical chest rigs. The pouches feature a front folding cover that is secure but opens easily by pulling on the tab. The harness has an X-type layout, so it's easy to conceal under clothing. And with the cutie buckles, you can also attach a plate carrier, which, hey, guys, who knows if you're going to have to do that at this point. I feel like everyone at this point should own a plate carrier, some plates. I have one
2: sitting next to my bed.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, so you're ready to go. I have a few actually. I need to get everything yeah. ready if shit hits the fan. I have my bag and my yep. I need to get a little bit more.
2: Yeah, uh, especially with your arsenal. There's I, no point in that. Yeah,
1: exactly. No kidding. That chest rig is only $156.95. But remember, you're not going to pay full price because you'll use the code GUNFunny15, and that gets you 15% off. And that is at manorcorearms.com.
0: QA. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: Today's question is, what kinds of ammunition do you recommend for defensive purposes? That is, of course, if you can find any at this moment, which I know right now all ammo is really hard to get. I like, if you're concealed carrying, I like the Liberty Civil Defense because it's so lightweight and the ballistics of it aren't bad. Because figure, your gun's already heavy, and by the time you load, let's say, 10 rounds, it's going to be even heavier. And for me, I think it's more important that you're going to have a gun that's more comfortable, that you're more likely to carry than a gun that's uncomfortable. It's heavy, and you pick and choose when you want to carry it. As far as the best self-defense ammo, in my opinion, I'm a big fan of the Spear Gold Dot. If you look at the ballistics, it's passed all of the ballistic testing. It consistently passes all FBI protocol tests. It seems like it's probably the best performance ammo, in my opinion, again. And I'm not sponsored by either of these companies. So obviously, a loaded gun ammunition is going to be better than not having a loaded gun. Definitely use hollow points when you're shooting for self-defense as opposed to full metal jacket just because it's going to do a lot more tissue damage and it has more stopping power. So it's less likely to go through your attacker and someone innocent nearby. Is there a specific kind of ammo that you like, Charlie?
2: I mean, not really, because I've never had the luxury of just sitting and blasting all different types of it.
1: Okay. So it's where you're like, oh, must be nice. Well, guess what? It must be nice to go on tour, go to Europe. You're like, oh, (laughs) I'm in.
2: (laughs) No, but I I mean, in all my carry guns, I have, well, in my my SIG 365, I have actually a bunch of SIGs hollow points, and I've shot a lot of those rounds. I shouldn't say a lot, but the stuff I've shot of it, I've never had a jam or anything. And it feels good, so mm-hmm. I've just had the the SIG hollow points.
1: Yeah, they make some good stuff, too.
2: Yeah, it's hard to find their stuff, because I got that when it was not this era. But right. um, now I just take whatever I can get when it comes to <laughs> hollow points, and I never shoot them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, so there's two things that I would highly recommend is one, stay away from the gimmicky stuff, the RIP rounds, and they're going to hate me if I say this, but I personally think you're just asking for a lawsuit. Anything that's, oh, breaks up into 12 different pieces and any good lawyers, they'll use that against you. They're going to say that it was more of a novelty item. You had more interest in causing more injury than if you were to just use typical hollow points. And then also test fire it through your gun. I know that hollow points right now are expensive. I mean, hell, all ammo is expensive, but test fire it through your gun. Make sure that it's going to cycle properly because a lot of brands and grains and stuff like that can be finicky with your ammo. So you don't want to find out the hard way. Cool. I'm trying to protect myself and it's not cycling properly.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's I think a lot of people make that mistake. And then they find out real quick, like some of those goofy points don't, you know, especially a lot of the smaller carry guns, like the 380s and even nines for that matter. You can definitely feel the difference of different point styles and different grains with the springs that some of these guns have. And a lot of people don't shoot their carry guns very often either. So their springs never fully really break in.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I have people come through my class. I would say, honestly, 80% of people they'll buy a gun. They've had it sitting in their closet for the last two years. They've never shot it. They have no idea if it works. And that's not even to mention, if nothing else, if it's sitting around for two years, you should probably lubricate it because lubrication probably evaporated and that's going to cause a jam as well. But most of these people don't even know if their gun cycles, if it operates, if it's able to shoot, let alone, okay, now you play the whole ammo thing and you don't even know if your gun's going to shoot that brand of ammo. Definitely test it out. Uh, they say it takes about 50 to 100 rounds to break a gun in. So you want to break that gun in? Because most sure. guns at the factory are only shot maybe once or twice. It's not like they put a ton of rounds through the gun.
2: Yeah, it's, it's true. And the hollow points usually in some of these mags too, the, like the mags are brand new and they're so tight when they're first, you mm-hmm. know, when you, when you load them that a lot of those hollow points, they just, I, I don't really ever run into failure to eject. Types situations it's more like failure to load like it yeah. just won't come out of the
0: mag properly
1: yeah that's a good point as well all right tacti talk
0: tacti talk discussing popular guns and gear love it hate it find out now
1: remember when we were talking about the mp5 and you're like oh they're so awesome and i was like i know i love them but We can't really justify spending that much on an MP5. Yeah. Even the clones, they're still pretty pricey. Yep. But it looks like 2021 might be our year if we actually want to get one. Zenith Firearms, they've been around for quite a while. They're known for their MP5s that they've imported into the US. And while the years are not quite up to the same quality as the HK MP5s, they're known for being a more affordable alternative than the HK The MP5s that Zenith has been importing since 2011 were manufactured by a company called Turkish Mechanical and Chemical Industry Corporation, MKE. And this was manufactured obviously in Turkey. After recent news that MKE was teaming up with Sentry Arms to produce the AP5, another affordable MP5 clone, which will be soon released, Zenith made the decision to cut ties with the Turkish manufacturer. So a little bit of drama going on there. Instead, they will now build their own MP5 clones here in the U.S., which is probably pretty smart, especially with everything going on with ATF trying to implement arbitrary importation restrictions. Given that they already have the designs and everything set up, that should give them a jumpstart on this. This will be a full roller delayed blowback, so true to the MP5 design and not a straight blowback. Zenith will continue to service the Turkish-produced models that they have been selling since 2011, so if you own one, don't freak out about that. With Zenith set to produce their own in the U.S., Century Arms teaming up with MKE and Palmetto State Armory working on their own in conjunction with Leadstar Arms, 2021 should definitely be the year that all these MP5 clones come out. The big question is, who will be the first to release this? Will they be reliable? And which will be the most affordable? I know that when I interviewed Palmetto State Armory, I think they were saying that they wanted to make it under $1,000. And they were supposed to come out this year. They swore by it because every SHOT Show, they're like, this is the year we're going to release our MP5 clone. (laughs) <laughs> and then sure enough something would happen and i interviewed the guy the owner of led star and he's like nope i'm putting my name behind it so i am going to make sure that it definitely releases but then covid happened so it's like you really can't blame anybody for everything that came about since covid because even if they had the design and everything was ready to go they're limited to production just because of all the restrictions that each state is implementing either way figure 2021 you should see some mp5 clones which one would you say is your bet on?
2: Oh, man. I mean, Palmetto seems to stay up to, I don't know. They, Yeah, they don't have any MP5 clones. I've looked at a bunch of their guns, though.
1: They definitely have upped their game and have come out with some pretty cool guns. Even the AKV, that is so much freaking fun to shoot. I want one so bad.
2: I've heard that from a, a few people, actually, that for being so affordable, yeah, that's actually like a great... You know, like if you want an AK style gun to Mm -hmm. to go with.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they've definitely upped their quality because let's admit, like Palmetto State Armory back in the day was hit or miss. Sentry Arms, again, kind of hit or miss. And it seems like Zenith didn't have the best reputation, but Mm -hmm. maybe now they're going to up their game. I am actually really excited to see that they're making stuff within the U.S. I think that we need to bring a lot more work back into the U.S. as opposed to, which, again, easier said than done because I know things are so much more cost effective when we send it out to other countries to do. but
2: Yeah, in masks for sure.
1: Yeah, but I think even everything that happened with COVID, even masks. Think about when COVID first happened, people could not find masks anywhere. And that's because (laughs) most of the main companies that manufactured masks, they already designated that to other countries. And so a lot of these factories were just at a standstill. They weren't even producing masks.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I have never heard of Zenith before or at least never looked into them. But you would think that coming over here it would only increase everything as far as sales go because, you know, you don't really have to deal with importing and going through that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a nightmare to get if you're building even just parts of the gun and shipping them in here. I would imagine there's a lot of laws and limitations and fees that go along with mm-hmm. that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe we'll actually even see that savings too on the gun.
2: Yeah, you never know. I, it's going to be an interesting year to see where ammo prices and gun prices and all of that goes. It'll either go back a little bit to normal, or if there's a lot of crazy laws passed and stuff, I wouldn't doubt if this is just the beginning of the up. I know the up pricing. I don't know. Who knows?
1: I so. know. I'm still debating. Uh, do I just give in and spend like six hundred bucks on nine millimeter, or I know. did it. It just sucks. It sucks because you know what it used to cost. It's the same thing when you buy a house, and you can't help but look at the history of what it sold for even five years ago, and you're like, "Awesome, I'm paying double."
2: Yeah, I know it's crazy. I yeah, <laughs> it's like an investment at this point. Though. Yeah,
1: like, no kidding.
2: I don't know. It is it, but are we buying at the peak? And it's gonna. I pl- I love the stock market, so I th- relate it all to that. But. I don't know what to say. I, in my opinion, I feel like it would come back to normal once they catch up a little bit and maybe things settle in. But if we see the opposite happen and things start to go extra crazy, then I I don't know. It probably is going to go up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
2: That's stating the obvious, but it makes me not even want to shoot. my. I have the 2,000 rounds uh, sitting in my basement that I just ordered, and I don't even want to shoot them. <laughs>
1: right. I know. Well, how do you think I feel? I'm trying to be like a YouTuber here and Exactly. I like mag dump and be cool, but I don't really know if I'm going to do that. It hurts your soul a little bit every <laughs> time you do it. Well, and then the amount of hate that I have gotten oh, on social yeah. media, because I'm mag dumping my own ammo and people are like, oh, she doesn't pay for her own ammo. Uh, Yeah, actually, I do. I don't have an ammo sponsor. And yeah. everything that you're seeing me, you shoot, I've paid for, with the exception <laughs> of the just recently when I reviewed the FK Burnout, they did send me ammo because they make it themselves. But yeah. for the most part, I'm shooting stuff that I bought, and it was just crazy the amount of hate that I received just because I mag-dumped, I don't know, maybe 10 rounds. And people are like, oh, must be nice. Yeah, it is nice that uh, I stocked up. Like, and if nothing else, even if I didn't stock up and I paid prime rates for it, it's none of your business what I do with ammo that I bought.
2: Oh, exactly. It just sums up the modern culture of, of this hate yeah, uh, something you don't have, a fact that has just reached like, ma- I, I mean, it can't get any worse than this. You do anything and there'd be somebody that finds the ulterior yeah. viewpoint of it and, and can rip on you. It's just crazy. If you're shooting off ammo, like they probably don't even like guns to begin with. And if they do, they just say something fun. Like, oh, that looks fun. I, I want to do that soon.
1: <laughs> yeah. No kidding. When did the US turn into such a like, communist freaking yeah, country?
2: Everything's- criticized.
1: Yeah. You can't get ammo because you can't get ammo or you don't want to pay the price for it. You expect me to just share and disperse my ammo because I thought ahead. Yeah. You you can't
2: do it if I can't do it. Yeah.
1: Get out of here.
2: And people don't understand like with this ammo shortage, it's bad in Minnesota, obviously, because there's just a lot of people that enjoy guns here. You have to be diligent to to find it and or you pay a price like I did. And uh, I still go to stores probably four or five times a week. And I found 9 millimeter at Cabela's yesterday, so I bought 100 rounds because that's what I'm limited to. But that's at a normal price, you know, so I can shoot that <laughs> without feeling guilty. Uh-huh. But you got to be diligent if you want to find ammo. And if you are, you'll find it. It's just annoying.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely a little bit of an inconvenience. Yep. All right.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as Nevermind. A.S.
1: Former Amazon engineer creates a translation app for your cat. If you've ever wondered what your cat means when it meows, you probably didn't realize that there's an app for that. Well, not yet, but an engineer is developing one now to translate them. Javier Sanchez helped develop Amazon's Alexa and is now with a tech company called Akvalon. Recently created the app Meow Talk. Using cues like the tone of the meows, meow talk is supposed to translate what needs your cat is trying to communicate into a speech. Sanchez says he was inspired by an NPR series, The Secret Language of Cats, where Professor Susan Schatz shared her research on decoding the way cats communicate. It's not a language. They don't share words or communicate with each other. Cats never meow at each other out in nature, Sanchez explained. His research suggests that there are about nine basic needs and emotions that cats share, including hunger, joy, and pain, all of which are built into the app. Users will also be able to report the reactions and rate the translations or add custom ones to help improve the app's accuracy. The ultimate goal is to build the app into a caller that can translate cat meows in real time. Can you imagine?
2: No, that's this is preposterous. I'm also
1: kind of <laughs> mad that they don't have one for a dog because I would get tickles one immediately.
2: Well, you would think you would be able to do it easier for a dog because dogs generally do have a tone to their bark and they're a social animal. Cats are just they're they're funny. I love cats, but they're crazy and yeah. they're, they're predators. Like they're they're solitary predators. They don't communicate really.
0: Yeah, that is I know.
2: Funny as hell that. I mean, the thing is, it's actually genius because there's so many cat freaks out there. Like the amount of oh, the money you could make, they would buy it in a second. And they don't care if it's just nonsense. Like you could come up with some funny meanings to some of those sounds and then implement them yourself and upload them. Oh, that is a, well, that's the world we live in right there.
1: Right. Now you're like, man, why didn't I create that? Here I am just playing the drums when I could have just created some bogus app that translates your cat's meows. Oh,
2: God, you could sucker in so many people to buy that stupid thing for even if it's 20 bucks, people will do it. Okay.
1: But I mean, you have to admit, would you buy one if they have one for dogs?
2: I would have to because I have to be part of that party and yeah. see what it does. And no see what kidding. It says. <laughs> I can't help it. I know. So this one's
1: kind of funny. So Sanchez tested a prototype caller on his own kitten, and the anxious cat let out a meow that the caller translated to a voice saying, I'm angry. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean,. Yeah, that is funny as hell to me for some reason. Yeah, well, let's see if that works, I guess. It it'll be curious to see how this goes in the next few years.
1: Right. And this is something that's bound to happen. Even if they yeah. don't make any sounds, I feel like they have to create something that's going to translate your cat or dog's thoughts because sometimes I look at Tickles and she's looking at me and I'm like, I wonder what she's thinking. And Yeah. It it's is. just it's I don't know. Exciting. One of the things every morning, and I've been dreading this, so a few weeks ago, it was really cold and it snowed, and I don't let tickles out when it snows, and she doesn't like the cold <laughs> anyways, so even if I wanted to let her out, she's not going to get very far, but I always give her a greenie, those little things that like yeah. brush her teeth in the morning, and usually this is after she goes to the bathroom outside. Well, because I gave it to her three days in a row and was just like, whatever, because she has a pee pad, and I was just like, I'm not going to let you outside. Well, now she thinks that she needs to get her treat first before going outside. And every morning, it's a freaking struggle. And it just makes me so mad. So I'm like, Tickles, no, got to go potty outside. Come on, Tickles, let's go. Come on. You know, and I open the door and she just looks at me like, screw you, mom. Where's my <laughs> treat? And then I'm like, OK, oh, yeah. fine. I can play this game. So then I just sit back down, drink my coffee. And then she'll come up to me like, mom, where's my treat? And I'm like, oh, want to go outside? And then she'll go and sit back down on the couch. And I'm like, oh, OK. So it would be kind of funny to see what her thoughts are because she's probably like, why isn't my mom giving me my treat when I'm just like, okay, just go to the bathroom outside and then we can give you your treat. And yeah, every <laughs> you know, day.
2: They, my dog was so spoiled. He's really smart. So he would, I mean, he would do the, the little things like a lot of dogs do where he would just go outside and pretend he has to go play yes. and then come in and go right to the treat bag. you know. And <laughs> that's what do my that dog 20, does. Yeah, 20 times in a row. And that's the, that's the classic I got my parents trained move. Yeah, um, no kidding. And it worked because I would do it and I, he would go outside 50 times a day just to get his treats <laughs> and potty outside and you get a treat and his face just instantly turn into like this little cartoon character of like, yeah, whatever it takes, dad. So, yeah, it'd be <laughs> funny to hear their thoughts. I don't know how you could actually do it, but dogs, you can tell their emotional stance. So maybe yeah. you just put some human words to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. But. They're probably I don't
2: need to hear the damn little things talk because they're too smart and conniving. Like right. I can look right at him and know what he's trying to do to me.
1: <laughs> exactly. He's probably like, ha, sucker. Got another treat. <laughs>
2: exactly. And we have to take it because yeah. they actually own us.
1: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. All <laughs> right. It is time to wrap up. So iTunes review. So guys, we are all out of iTunes review. So if you haven't left it a review, please do so. Even if you have, I want to hear from you again. It's always nice to hear from listeners. It's also nice that I know that there's people out there that are listening. Actually, one thing that I do want to say is I always get every week a report of where the show ranks. So in Sweden, it consistently outranks any other country, even the United States, which sucks to a degree. But yeah, there's a huge listener base in Sweden. And I also know that there's a lot of listeners from California, so I can't help but think these listeners are living vicariously through us. (laughs) Because obviously there's more gun restrictions, which there are in Sweden, right?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know the restrictions, but they're not. There's, there's no like regular gun yeah. toting going on there, no.
1: Yeah, actually, I should look into that to see what they are allowed to have. But anyway, shout out to Sweden for listening to the show. I think it's like number 20 or something on iTunes, the show is in Sweden. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, I love Sweden. Yeah, every week it shocks me and it shouldn't even shock me at this point because it always tops the US. So
2: Interesting. I wonder if it is something of like living vicariously through, you know, what you can't have in your country sort of thing.
1: It could be. Like I said, California, most of my listeners, majority of them are in California. So who knows, but iTunes reviews, so the first review is from GT Richie 74 best podcast ever, 5 stars. This podcast has quickly become my favorite Ava's Phenomenal Host and had guests you need to hear from. Thanks for the awesome podcast, Ava. Second review is Pieces94, Disappointed in New York, five stars. I found Gun Funny a little less than a month ago and have been listening in backwards order ever since. I'm about 40 episodes in and truly love the show. The topics and guests are very interesting, have great content, and offer a unique experience and perspective. After listening to episode 166, I ordered an air pistol of my CZ-75 to get some practice and the presentation and first shot target acquisition. I wouldn't have thought of searching for a replica air pistol, but the show triggered the idea and I couldn't be happier. Now on to the disappointment. For the most part, I listened to the show during my commute. My wife's truck was hit while parked. Hopefully it wasn't me because I have a tendency lately this year to hit parked cars. Don't really want to talk about it, but just because my mind's all over the place. And of course, I bought a brand new car. It only happens when you buy a brand new car. It's like the glasses, your sunglasses, you buy expensive sunglasses, you lose them immediately. But you have these $5 sunglasses that you've had for years that you just can't lose, even if you don't mind if you lose them. But anyway, sorry about your parked car. (laughs) So the truck was hit while parked and is now in the body shop. Leaving me to ride my motorcycle in the freezing New York winter. Oh my gosh, that's got to be crazy. Although, depending on where you are in New York, New York does have some of the best public transportation, so I would kind of look into that. Taking away valuable listening time. I'll be back binge listening in another week. Great show. Keep it up. P.S. If Operator Tickles is ever looking to form a crew, Operator Ella is standing by. Oh, how cute. Tickles. Oh, I was going to say Tickles as a girlfriend, but no, Tickles is also a girl. <laughs> then again, who knows? We don't know what Tickles is into, No, but that's pretty funny. All right. So Charlie, out of those two, I want you to pick a winner to win a prize pack.
2: Well, I think the park car one has to win because they took a hit.
1: Yeah, right. There you go.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it does suck, but yeah, you can't really listen to podcasts too all when you are riding your bike. I couldn't even imagine... Riding a bike in the cold, especially New York, because anytime I was living in New York City, but I'd be like, oh, it's so cold. And they're like, well, you're from Colorado. Aren't you used to the cold? But the thing with that, they don't realize, and same with Minnesota, because it's a little more humid, right?
2: Minnesota in the summer is super humid. Okay.
1: The thing is, is when it's humid, it seems like the cold just goes right through you, whereas Colorado is very dry. So even if it is snowing, it's definitely a lot warmer. And not to mention in New York, you're walking everywhere. That is one thing I do not miss, but you're, and you're still walking a few blocks to the subway. Even if you take the subway, it's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. The wind too is there. And I yeah. mean, Minnesota extra sucks just cause it's so cold, but, uh, the wind in like Chicago and New York is definitely, that's what makes the cold painful. More oh so yeah. Than just the actual air temperature. Anyway, I would never, I would never bike. There's a ton of people who bike here too all year round, even in the like ridiculously freezing And obviously, it's the people who live downtown and are biking to other spots in downtown. But no, thank you.
1: Yeah, agree. The only cycling I'll do is in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Which I started doing for the first time ever. In fact, if anybody does cycle, do you ever get used to the pain that the bike seat causes? Because a few people are like, oh, eventually you kind of build up a callus. Well, that sounds horrifying, but awesome. (laughs) But Yeah.
2: (sighs) Yeah, I always I mountain biked for a couple of years and loved it. I would like to start doing it again, but no, I don't know if if you really ever actually build up a cow. for that. But <laughs> if I think you
1: get used to it.
2: The gym biking's probably a little different. It's actually probably worse because you're you're sitting down way more.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's the one thing that I hate about cycling. But anyways, on that note, it's time to wrap up. So guys, you can find me at Gun Funny. Oh, one of the things I do actually want to talk about is. I was recently nominated for Most Influential Female of the Year and From Content Creator to Entrepreneur at The Gundies. If you guys go to the gundys, G-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com, you can vote for me. You can vote once a day. It enters you to win cool prizes, and they have some really cool prizes. I know a few people that won last year. I would greatly, greatly appreciate your vote. I'm definitely up against quite a few impressive women and other awesome content creators. If I don't win, I'm still just happy to be even nominated. But yeah, once a day, you can vote from now until the end of the month. And that is at thegundies.com. Also, if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support it, you should consider becoming a Patreon. In order to do so, all you have to do is go to gunfunny.com, click on the support the show. You could make a one-time donation or you can become a Patreon, which gets you access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, and there's always a lot of fun going on. Right now, we're doing our Secret Santa among other Patreons, which has been a lot of fun. Shout out to Tommy Wilson for the gun bag that you got me this morning, which is another thing I found in my mailbox. And Blown Deadline is giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon every month. That's another reason to become a Patreon. I also wanted to thank our $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, Ralph Anthony, Dylan Savage, and Melissa Ridings. And king of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say count from one to ten. That's how long it would take Operator Tickles to kill you, 47 times. Dang, Operator Tickles is a badass. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Charlie, thanks again for joining me. And can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on social media?
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Main one is Instagram, but I'm on all of them. And it's just whatever.com slash Charlie Ingen.
1: All right, cool. Well, on that note, we are out of here.
0: All right, see ya